come and have your way, Lord. Your word is wonderful. It's a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. Speak to us, Papa. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, just encourage you. I've been dwelling on this beautiful verse in Romans chapter 15, where Paul speaks to the Romans and he says, I am fully convinced, in verse 14, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is, a, is this reminder. He's speaking, he's saying, you are full of goodness and you are equipped to be able to teach others about this glorious truth of Christ in us. And all you need is to be reminded that you are full of goodness. All you need is to be reminded of who God is so that you know who you are. Hallelujah. Because as he is, so are we in this world. It's so vital that we begin to align our thoughts with what God says. Now, when the spies went into the, the promised land and they came back and they said, we were as grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in theirs. So much of the church battles with this um, wrong perception of who they are. They've forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. James chapter 1, uh, he who is a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man who's looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgotten what he looked like. Hallelujah. God wants to remind you of what you look like so that you stop believing the lie that you're a grasshopper or that you're you know, a little Christian trying to get better, that you're not as good as the next one, but you know, you're giving it a go. What you believe about yourself in your heart is what you will reflect and is what you will draw towards yourself, is what you will manifest. We must be the righteous, the just who live by faith. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And God wants you to remember. He wants you to know that you are full of goodness. You're not full of conceit. You're not full of anger. You're not full of arrogance. You're not full of pride. You may have done something that was prideful. You might have done something that was arrogant. You might have done something that was mean. But God wants you to remember that when you recognize it and go, oh, God, sorry, you have been, you're completely forgiven. And God wants to remind you of the truth. You are not identified by what you did. You are identified by what you believe in receiving the grace of God, in receiving Christ dwelling in your heart. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You are patient you are kind you are full of goodness he speaks it over us and God wants to speak that over you you are full of goodness you might say well I don't behave very well I don't really show that in my life where's the fruit the Lord wants you to know that if you've surrendered your heart to him if you've gone and said Lord Here's my sin. Here's my shame. Here's my life. I give it to you and I receive by faith your forgiveness, your grace, 
your spirit dwelling in me. I believe by faith that I am crucified with Christ. I was crucified with him. He died with me as me. And he rose again. And I believe that I have been raised up with him. And that it's now no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It is the only hope of manifesting goodness because he alone is good. It's the only hope of manifesting righteousness and holiness because without him we can do nothing. So God wants to remind you of what you look like. Hallelujah. You, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, you know, when you begin to get a revelation of, of it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, you're going to be able to relate to people as your brothers and sisters, not as people that you're competing with, not as people that you have a problem with, but loving deeply, affectionately from the heart without any uh, anything ugly or nasty in it, without guile, with a pure heart, deeply and, and beautifully, purely, because the Spirit of God lives in you and his motives his love lives on the inside of you amen but I've been looking and um, thinking quite a lot ever since um, our conference in November we where there was a, a word about wisdom being released I decided to study the book of Proverbs for a month and just really eat it and chew on it and, 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 and begin to study it. And I discovered, um, as, I, as Brian Simmons often uh, teaches so well, about if you look at the book of Proverbs, it's parabolic. There's, there's three women distinctly represented. And the book of Proverbs is not a book for women and it's not a book for men. I used to read the first half of Proverbs or the first few chapters of Proverbs and think, how does this relate to me? I'm really not feeling very um, tempted by seductresses right now, you know? And I like, okay, let's just skip through, you know, I think it starts getting um, more relative, relating to me a bit further along. It's not, it's not this relates to that one and this relates to this group. The book of Proverbs is a gift to the bride of Christ. And it's a picture. All the way through, you see this, this seductress. And it's a picture of sin. Sin outside, trying to invite them to come in. Come and come here. You're going to like this. I want you to come and fellowship with me. But we also see another woman. We see the woman of wisdom. Proverbs 9. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She's also furnished her table. She sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest place of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. That's an invitation. If you look in Proverbs 8, you'll see wisdom is described so beautifully. And wisdom is described so clearly as the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold spirit of God clearly spelt out all that wisdom is. And wisdom is inviting us to come and eat at her table. Just as sin is inviting us to come and eat and fellowship with her, wisdom saying, come and fellowship with me. And as I was reading this, I just felt, Lord, I want to respond to your invitation. 
Holy Spirit, I want to respond actively. I, I believe the Word of God is never meant to be an intellectual exercise that we just go, oh, that stimulated my uh, intellectual thinking. But actually, it's an invitation for us to respond to. All of Scripture is invitational, waiting for your response. And so I, I read this and thought, I've got to respond. I want to respond to the invitation to come and eat from the table of wisdom. I want to fellowship with you, Holy Spirit, as the spirit of wisdom. And so I just take time deliberately just to get quiet with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to fellowship with you as the spirit of wisdom. You are the one that wisdom flows from. And all of a sudden, I'd get these what seemed like random ideas that were really good about things that I wasn't even thinking about, but were supernatural, divine solutions. Hallelujah. Even got the title for my, my book, just uh, to change the subtitle. And I wrote to Charisma, even though it had already been all set up. And they said, yeah, that we, we feel God on that. And just these supernatural ideas, as we intentionally respond to Scripture, as we intentionally respond to the invitation of the Holy Spirit to fellowship with him. Hallelujah. But in the same way, there's this outside um, other invitation. And, and Mark spoke so beautifully about this this morning. Uh, it, this is awesome. God is speaking. You stole a lot of my, my sermon, but that's okay. Hallelujah. You didn't really steal it because God just wants to share it. Hallelujah. But, but this, this woman is always enticing. And sometimes we can feel like, wow, when, when you feel an invitation from the enemy, you can feel condemned and bad about the fact that you even heard them speaking to you. When I was growing up, I, I went through um, a time soon after I got born again when I was just 12 years old, uh, where I was being... Um, sexually molested over and over night after night for about nine months and I just got I was so full of shame it, it was not a family member but but the people who were looking after me and I was so filled with shame and so filled with fear I remember the first night it happened I tried to after they'd gone back to bed I I, I went to the front door because I could hear the neighbors coming home and I just tried to call out, but there were no words would come because I was just paralyzed with fear. And from that time, I just began to feel so afraid and so filled with shame. And unconsciously, I, be, I was afraid to tell anybody about what was going on because I, I figured there must be part of it, must be something bad about me. You know, sin is so ugly. He wants you, the devil wants you to believe that the things that happen to you, the temptations that come your way, or the evil that, that gets thrown your direction, somehow is your fault. But praise God, it's only when we begin to partner with temptation that we, are, that we conceive sin, just as Mark shared this morning. But this outside Force wants you to feel bad about the fact that you might even have a thought about something. I, I loved thinking about Jesus and the, the way you shared that when Jesus was tempted, we often see it in the movies of this picture of the devil in black. He's there and you go, that's the devil. I know that's the devil. 
But Jesus was tempted in the same way that we were tempted. And so I don't think, I don't think, like you said, Mark, that he, he was coming in a physical form. And if he was being tempted, if Jesus was being tempted, it must have felt like temptation. You see, Jesus had a natural desire. He was hungry. The Bible says he was hungry. So the devil took advantage of a natural desire by presenting an evil opportunity. Do you think Jesus felt bad about the fact that he suddenly had been presented and felt tempted about an evil opportunity? Yet so often when the enemy comes and presents a thought, we panic and think, What's wrong with me? There must be something bad about me. And we let condemnation and fear and shame just tie us up and, and, and begin to bring us into a place where our identity becomes affected. Instead of being the righteous who are as bold as lions, believing we are full of goodness, we begin to feel like, oh gosh, yes, I do have a weakness in that area. Oh, there's something bad about me. I believe the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, wants us to know. He wants to set us free from fear and shame. You know, as I was growing up through that, I just, I became so insecure and so full of fear and so full of shame that I would think in my mind all the time that, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't quite fit in and I'd be so worried about what people were thinking about me and I'd already think in my head, you know, that, ah, oh, you know, I don't really fit in, I don't really belong. And yet the Holy Spirit, he's wanting us to feel and know the spirit of adoption, that we've been accepted, that we belong. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit wants us to know the truth. And I love the way Jesus responded to temptation. He responded by declaring truth. The word of God. Hallelujah. Every time you are faced with a temptation, the spirit of God is there. He's got your back and he wants to remind you of truth. He makes a way of escape. Hallelujah. You know, the scripture says in... Um, Jude chapter 1 verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is able to keep us. We don't do it by what we know and what we understand. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to quicken truth to you so you can pick it up and yield the sword like Daryl spoke about this morning. That what we do isn't done out of just plain head knowledge. It's done out of a heart revelation quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Saying, you're able to keep me from falling, Papa. I don't have to be afraid. But, you know, in my experience, when I've felt a fear, I've often panicked and thought, well, I'm afraid of, of the fact that I've had a fear. And because, you know, I don't want what I fear to come upon me. So I became afraid of being afraid. And, and it's like, oh, what am I going to do? And the more I try not to be afraid, the more I feel afraid of the fact that I was afraid in the first place. And there must be something wrong with me. And oh, God, help me, Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, he wants to bring comfort. He wants to shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. He wants us to, to receive the perfect love of Christ that casts out fear. Hallelujah. 
So instead, you know, when the spirit of God would, would be at my back, he wants us to, he wants to remind us of truth that we don't have to be afraid that we don't have to fear. We don't have to identify with that. Now, I remember, um, Pastor Joel sharing one day about um, a defensive driving course. And the instructors would say, as they were going through the obstacle course, don't focus on the cones, focus on the space between the cones. Because they, they almost guaranteed, if you focus on the cones, you're going to hit them. It's so much the same in the Christian life. If you are focusing on what you are trying to avoid, you're going to hit it. What you focus on is what you gravitate toward. And so often, much of our Christian life is spent trying to avoid sinning, trying to avoid fear and shame, but deep down we're afraid that, you know, oh God, just trying to keep it at bay. But the Holy Spirit wants to reveal truth. He wants to remind you, you are full of goodness. He, he wants to show you, and I just love the way Mark brought that today, that, that that's not who we are. Mark shared this morning about a dream he had trying to out, outrun himself. And the Lord said, how fast do you have to run to outrun yourself? The truth is we can't, hallelujah. And we don't have to because we've been delivered from self. When we were crucified, self was crucified with him. I used to buy into the thing that, okay, I'm dying daily. I'm trying to daily, every day, we've got to fight the battle to crucify the flesh. But you know that, even that was me saying that I had some way of dealing with my flesh. I have no way of dealing with my flesh. Only Jesus was able to deal with my flesh. Hallelujah. Only the cross of Christ was able to deal with my flesh. I need daily to be reminded of what Christ has done. I need daily to reckon myself dead, to come into agreement with God. Thank you, Jesus. It's no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. Hallelujah. I've been set free from me. <sighs> Every negative thought you have about yourself is the enemy trying to steal from you the confidence that he wants you to walk in. My confidence was stolen. And I, I let it be stolen because I believed a lie that there must be something bad about me. That somehow, and then, I, and then it, it just opened the door for more lies. I just began to believe that I was ugly, that I was shameful, that I was bad. And I was always trying to be accepted, but believing in my heart that I would be rejected and seemed to be rejected more and more. Until the Holy Spirit came and he began to give me a revelation of how he saw me. One night I just had a vision and if you've read my book you would know the story but I came forward for prayer, to freedom from shame. They did an altar call and you know seriously if there's an altar call and I'm not preaching and not having to pray for people I'll be on it because I just love to receive from the Holy Spirit. But I, it really resonated with me. I thought I need that because I battle with shame. And just as I came forward and lifted my hands to the Lord few people prayed for me, but I just felt the Lord just say, just stay here. And he began to show me a vision. And I saw a vision of myself as a, as a girl, little girl, just looking ugly. And, just, 
and I saw this mask peel off her face and float away. And then I saw, um, oh, firstly, I saw myself actually with my head on the father's lap and he was just stroking my head like this. He's so kind, you know. He knows every need you have. I, I like, I'm, I'm physical touch and words of affirmation. I like it when, when someone strokes my head and says nice things. God does that for me. He knows exactly how to meet your every single need. Every single need can be met in him. Hallelujah. But then I saw this mask being floating off this, this ugly girl. And then I saw a vision of this beautiful lady walking in heaven with these dignified robes. And she was just beautiful. And the Lord said, that's you. And I fell on the floor. But you see, what he was doing was revealing truth. I believed I was ugly. I believed that I was shameful, that I was trying hard, but just wasn't quite there yet. And he was saying, no, this is who you are. You're beautiful. You're dignified. You're so full of honor and dignity. And he restored it all to me by a vision of how he saw me. And the Lord is waiting for you to come into agreement with how he sees you. As you read through the book of Proverbs, it's, it's just wonderful when you look at it like that. But there's this Proverbs 31 woman at the end that I really used to not like very much. Because she sort of came out in sermons on Mother's Day about what a Proverbs 31 woman should look like. And I'm like, oh man. I so don't measure up to that, you know. And she gets up early. She stays up late. She sews. I failed her back. (laughs) She's like an amazing woman. And I just was like, yeah, okay. Remind me of how I'm not a very good mother. I'm not a very good wife. Oh, God. But this isn't something for us, as Mark said, to be measured by. But as a mirror. This is a definition of how God sees you. This is what he says about you. I want to read it to you um, and just help you see it. Hallelujah. You know, in the beginning, God made man and woman and he put them in the garden and he created them for fellowship, didn't he? Fellowship with him, fellowship with each other. And he, he, he told them to multiply and subdue the earth. This is the will of God for us. Well, this is, this is so obviously seen here, I think, in, in Proverbs 31. It says um, that she considers a field and pays a price for it and then turns it into a vineyard. I thought, how many women do I know who are currently just going out, like, how was your day, honey? Oh, yes, well, I considered a field, and yes, I paid a price for it, and yes, I've already commissioned people to go and make that a vineyard. I've started work on transforming that field into a vineyard. How many women here did that this week? (laughs) Ah. But when you look at it, it's actually the bride of Christ doing the work of God, willingly surveying a mission field, determining in their heart that I will pay the price to see that field transformed into the vineyard of the kingdom. Hallelujah. 
willingly looking at it and going, yes, give me my mountain. Hallelujah. I want to read it to you in um, the Passion Translation. This is your identity. This isn't something for you to be intimidated by. Hallelujah. It says, who could ever find a wife like this one? She's a woman of strength and, and such mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. Hallelujah. God speaks that over you. You are full of wealth and wisdom. Oh, oh, I don't know about that. But come into agreement with God. This is a declaration you should be making over yourself. I am full of wealth and wisdom. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. He is full of wisdom and he delights to give me the cattle on a thousand hill belong to him. So thank you, God. I have more than enough. I am full of wealth and wisdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm full of wealth and wisdom. This is your identity. This is the truth of who you are. We need to speak it out and declare it. Receive it. She is full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Was the price paid for you greater than many jewels? This isn't the dowry. My parents did not pay a dowry to Tom. Hallelujah. The price paid for me was worth more than many jewels. The price paid for me was God himself giving his own life because he adores me. Hallelujah. The price paid for you is greater than many jewels. Hallelujah. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her. Do you know God trusts you? God trusts you. God trusts you. He says you are his saints, his glorious ones, in whom is all his delight. He loves you. You're not his slaves designed to, like, oh, God, give me your orders. He's like, Tom wouldn't like it if I was like, here I am, husband, please give me your orders for the day. <laughs> he wasn't looking for a domestic servant when he married me. God's not looking for a domestic servant in his bride. He's looking for a co-equal partner. When he looks at you, he says, my heart trusts you. You are full of wealth and wisdom. My heart fully trusts in you. Like, why would you trust me, God? Because it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You've been transformed. You are altogether lovely. You are beautiful. You are holy. Look at you. Angels, look at them. Aren't they gorgeous? Created in my image, they're going to do greater works than I did. God is much more excited about you than you are. Oh, it's true. If you could see it. Hallelujah. Shadabasa. Oh, my iPad died. It's so sad. You might have to read the rest of it yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to be sharing some more tomorrow morning. But I want you to know God speaks over you truth. Hallelujah. Someone give me a Bible. I'll read it from something else. Shandarabasa. I've been recording everybody's messages today. That's why. Because it's so good. I want to listen to it on the airplane next week. Hallelujah. I've been invited to speak on the 700 Club next week. Hallelujah. Please pray for me. Uh, just get the opportunity to, to share about the love of God. Hallelujah. So good. Oh, do you want to just finish off Proverbs? It's so lovely. Yes? No? Yes. Oh, excellent.
excellent. Hallelujah. It's delightful. Hallelujah. She seeks woolen flax and willingly works with her hands. I was like, what on earth is that all about? But you know, actually, the Lord says, if you, if you look at it, she's actually laying hold of what God has given and using it for his glory. She's well able. She's skilled. Hallelujah. She's a good businesswoman. Look, it says here, she's like the merchant ships that bring her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and she provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. In the night seasons, even when she's um, in the night seasons, when she's not feeling sparky, when you're going through something that's like, I've got a few things going on, even in the night season, she's fruitful. She's feeding the sheep. She's feeding the people. Hallelujah. Even when you don't feel it, she, she, is, she knows in season or out season, she doesn't walk by her feelings. She walks by faith. Hallelujah. And she's fruitful in season and out of season. Hallelujah. She looks well to how the things go in her household and the bread of idleness she will not eat. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband boasts of and praises her, saying, Many daughters have done virtuously, nobly and well, with the strength of character that's steadfast in goodness. But you excel them all. Charm and grace are deceptive, and beauty is vain because it's not lasting. But a woman who is reverently, who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to know that the Father's view of you is very, very different to what the enemy has tried to sell you. When he looks at you, he wants you to know that you are full of goodness. That when he looks at you, you are not a little person going to have a little life and try and survive. You are the light of the world. God is excited about you. You are favored by heaven. Hallelujah. That he looks at you and says, my heart fully trusts in you. He says that this one, she is a co-laborer with me. Hallelujah. That this one, this bride, the bride of Christ. And, and guys, if I get to be a son, you get to be a bride. Hallelujah. The bride of Christ is called not to be someone that is just hearing orders from God, but using divine initiative. Hallelujah. Letting the Holy Spirit bring up divine initiatives in our hearts so that we can respond to him. You know, I used to think, well, I can't do, God told me once, I, I felt him prompt me to go and make a CD. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. You know, it's very self-promoting. Maybe if the church asked me to make a CD, I'd make a CD. You know, that was my view. You don't do anything unless someone gives you permission to do it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Catherine, that's not going to wash with me when you get to heaven. Because I'd said, oh, I can't, Lord, because I'll do it. I'll do it if someone asks me to do it. Nobody's asked me to do it, Lord. And I realized I was, I was, buying into the lie that I was not allowed to have God-given initiative. God has given us a heart to do great works for him. Hallelujah. Now, I believe in the power and the importance of working in, in unity and, and mutual submission in the body, working together. 
But don't wait for the pastor or someone else to tell you what you are called to do before you do it. I'm not going to bear that responsibility. If I have to be the one that gets the revelation, oh, you're called to start a prayer meeting. You're called to do this. You're called to go to the mission field. Then you're, you're letting your destiny be filtered through a person and God is jealous for you. God wants you to recognize that his heart trusts in you to have initiatives, to dream his dreams. You can bring it to the leadership and they can help you. They can counsel you. They can give you uh, wisdom and advice and help you. And it's a good thing. Wisdom's in the multitude of counselors. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit gets there. In the, in the multitude of counselors, the Spirit of God can speak to you. But God is looking for us to begin to step into a new level of holy boldness. Amen? Where we begin to walk with a, a faith that says, Thank you, Lord. I believe what you say about me. You are not somebody who is, has to live marked by a victim mentality. You're not somebody that has to live fearful that you don't fit in. God wants to break that mindset off you tonight. I believe there's people here tonight that you've been struggling with shame and fear. And, and the Holy Spirit wants you to know that that, is, that has no power over you. He wants to reveal truth to you. Hallelujah. He wants to speak truth. And I believe people are just going to be set free tonight. Amen. But before we open the, the altar, I just want to ask you, if you're here and you know in your heart that you don't have relationship with God. He so wants to have fellowship with you. He wants you to know that he, he loves you more than life, but he waits for your response. The message of the gospel has been given to us and waits for us to respond. Jesus came and he gave his life for the sins of the world. But he waits for you to say, I need your forgiveness. I want to receive it. I want to exchange my life. I want to repent, give you my life to tell you I need your forgiveness. I can't be holy in my own strength. I need you to have mercy on me. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. It's called being born again. Where you become no longer you. But you become the you, the you that you used to be. You become the you that you were created to be. The one who is made in the image of God. The one in whom God's heart delights because you've been made holy and clean. God waits for us to receive supernatural transformation by faith as we respond to the invitation of Jesus to come and receive his mercy, receive his grace. If you're here today and you, you say, I, I want to respond to the mercy of God. I want to be born again. I want to pray for you before we pray for anybody else. Is there anybody here that says, yes, that's me. I want to receive the mercy of God tonight. I want tonight to be the night that I become a new creation. Is anybody here that says, yes, that's me. I want to respond to God's mercy tonight. I want to be born again. I want tonight to be the night that I get set free from fear and shame just wave your hand at me if that's you yes I see you that's beautiful is anybody else that says yes that's me you know it's one thing to believe that God exists but it's another thing to respond to him and say God I want to deliberately give you my life 
And I receive your mercy. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me? Let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Thank you for your mercy, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I just want to pray for you right now. All across this room, would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be crucified in my place. I believe that he died and rose again. Right now, Lord, I receive your mercy. Come into my life and make me new on the inside. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.